We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. All right, what is going on, everybody? How you doing? Welcome to a casual Friday episode of Talking About Flow Podcast, part of the Blue Wire Network. I'm your host, Patrick Moran. Thank you very much, as always, for locking in, whether it's the audio side, the video side. Appreciate all you guys. Like I said, casual Friday coming up in just a couple minutes. I'm going to be joined, as I am every Friday now, by my good friend Aaron Quinn from Cover One. Plenty to talk about on the Buffalo Bills side, especially. Um, I'm going to get his reaction to Naheem Himes being traded to Buffalo. Uh, we're going to play a couple clips of other people's reaction. And uh, we got our medal stand. That's something we're doing every week. Fun little exercise where Aaron gives out gold, silver, and bronze medals in a couple different categories. Fun stuff is always with Aaron. I'll have him on in just a couple minutes. Uh, before that, it's good to be back here in my home studio. I did on Wednesday, we had our 500th episode of Talk Buffalo podcast, which at least for me anyway, was a very big deal. And to celebrate that, uh, we did a live taping at Imperial Pizza in South Buffalo. And I was joined by Sal Capaccio and Tim Graham. And I'll tell you, man, that was uh, that was a lot of fun. And um, by the way, if you, haven't, if you haven't listened to that or watched that yet, make sure you go back and uh, and check that out again. That dropped on Wednesday. And um, those guys, man, they couldn't be more gracious. And if you know the story, if you're not brand new to this podcast, I talked about it Wednesday. I've talked about it over the past week or so, knowing that episode 500 was coming up. When I first started this podcast, and again, episode one, we're going all the way back to February of 2018. That's what I launched the show. Um, before I even launched it, I talked. The first two people I talked to was Sal Capaccio and Tim Graham. I wanted to get them on board as the first two guests over the first two episodes. It was them two and also Tyler Dunn, who in the, at the time, I think Tyler was at the Buffalo News uh, at the time. But anyway, I wanted all three of those guys to, to commit to being on the podcast because I knew that having them on right off the bat would establish some immediate uh, street cred with with Buffalo sports fans. Anyway, they both graciously agreed, and from there it was off and running. Those guys were on, and from there it became easier to get other local sports and news media people. And then from there, I was able to pitch a couple national people, 
Ultimately, I was able to get Adam Schefter and Josina Anderson on and some other people like that. But it was all because of the beginning, going back to Sal and Tim and Tyler. So to be able to do episode 500, first of all, to be healthy enough and able to do 500 episodes of this has been uh, special for me anyway. And to do it with Sal and Tim at Imperial uh, this past week, that made it even more special for me. And by the way, again, go check it out if you haven't already. You'd have to know ahead of time and pay really close attention. But I'm going to tell you this right now. Tim Graham, what a trooper he is because he was sick as a dog. His throat was killing him. Uh, Earlier in the day, we taped it on Tuesday night. And earlier Tuesday, he did not think he was going to be able to make it. I mean, his throat was killing him. He could barely talk. Um, He decided ultimately he would try to power through it, but wasn't going to do a lot of talking. He comes to Imperial. We got some wings. And I don't know, maybe the, the wings at Imperial Beats are, are magic or something because he had some Cajun uh, medium dry rub wings and he and they were salty. And he said that actually helped his throat. So for the first like 30, 35 minutes, Tim was okay. But oh, you could tell, again, if you were paying attention and you knew ahead of time you had a sore throat, you could tell over the last uh, maybe 15 to 20 minutes of the podcast, Tim was starting to lose his voice. But uh, anyway, he powered through and um, I'm really grateful to both those guys for, for doing the episode and just for being um, a friend to this podcast, a friend to me and, and being a big part of it. Like I said, having guys like, like Sal Capaccio and Tim Graham on your show multiple times over these, you know, nearly five years now has really helped a lot. So it was great to catch up to those guys. It was great to sit down with them in person. I love, 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 love doing live shows at places, restaurants, bars, restaurants, um, wing spots, whatever you want to call them. It's just a different an- dynamic. The sound, you know, it gets a little muffled. You got the ambient noise, people in the background, but I, you know what? I like that. It doesn't have to be all quiet and, and pristine like it is in a home studio like it is now. It's fun doing these. Like, I'm going to bring Aaron on in a couple of minutes. I love talking to Aaron uh, the way we do it, but there's just nothing like sitting down next to somebody in person, physically, one-on-one or, or two guests live and being able to shoot the shit. It brings a an extra dynamic. But to be honest with you, it's also a huge pain in the ass. I mean, you're taking uh, your audio gear, you're taking your video camera, your tripod, your your key light that you bring with you, and you got to break it all down from your home office, and then you bring it to wherever it is you're going, and you got to set all that up, and then you got to break that back down, you got to bring it back home, you got to set it all up. It takes about an hour and a half worth of uh, time just to do that stuff. But anyway, it is worth it. I'm going to work on, maybe I'll get some backup stuff. I'll save up and get some uh, backup video and audio gear. And that way I won't have to keep logging in, at least from my home office each time. I want to start doing my long way of saying this. I want to start doing more of those types of shows. They go over well. And uh, I just love uh, the conversation. So again, thank you. 500 episodes, a big milestone for me. Big thank you one more time to Sal Capaccio and to Tim Graham and to Imperial Pizza. I mean, what a host they are. The food was great. Everything about that place in South Buffalo is uh, awesome. So thank them. Uh, before I bring in Aaron, which again, I'm going to bring in in just a minute. Aaron, if you know Aaron and, and you and you follow him on Cover One um, alongside Greg Thompson, or if you listen to him on this podcast, you know Aaron, and he's talked about it. He's not a big Sabres fan, not a big hockey fan. I shouldn't say Sabres. He's not a hockey guy. Aaron is a football guy and, and a basketball guy, not really big on baseball or hockey. But anyway, Aaron Quinn. Or all you casual Sabres or hockey fans or ones who aren't hockey fans at all, man, you guys are missing out right now. 
you're missing out. Buffalo Sabres are on fire. And I can't believe I'm saying that, but 6-3 win over Pittsburgh on Wednesday night. They're 7-3 on the season now. As we tape this on Thursday, only Vegas, Jack Eichel, and the Vegas Golden Knights and the Boston Bruins are the only two teams in the NHL that have more points than the Buffalo Sabres. As we taped this, they were down 3-1 to one on Wednesday in the third period, and then Buffalo came back and scored five unanswered goals. Two of them empty nets, but still five unanswered goals. The Sabres are 7-3 and three on the season. Tage Thompson scores, sets up Tuck for the game-tying goal. This guy's been on fire. He's becoming a big star, Rasmus Dahlin. I mean, what more can you say about this kid? He's got 12 points already, and uh, he's looking like one of the best young defensemen in the NHL. Anyway, Sabres are a fun ride right now, and it just blows my mind when I think back to last year and having Joe Yurden on the show every week, and I was just ranting and raving and going nuts about how much I hated the Buffalo Sabres. But that is gone. The Sabres are fun. That said, I am going to be joined right now by my buddy, Aaron Quinn from Cover One. Yo. I was just talking about this, Aaron. I said, too bad you're not a hockey fan. And if you is were, it? Is that if, too bad? If you were a hockey fan, what a hell of a time to uh, jump on board right now. Pat, Pat I'm just going to, I'm not trying to be a Debbie Downer here for a casual Friday, but I am a basketball fan, as you, you know. Are. And I will guarantee you, um, I would not in these long, these seasons that are long, I understand Sabres fans have had a long, hard time without having a good team and that they're excited. This team is good. These seasons are very long. I was a bulls fan last year at the all-star break. The bulls were the number one seed in the East. Mm-hmm. Uh, looked like they were going to be one of the best teams compete. People were talking about them competing for championships and they ended up like slipping to like the fifth or sixth sure. seed and Allen won. So I would just uh, caution that it's early in the season and usually the cream rises to the top. But I, I don't know. And maybe you can enlighten me on this. Like I know in the NBA, especially in the East, like you can get into the playoffs at around 500 sub 500. Like it's not hard to get into the NBA playoffs. Is hockey the same way? Um, It's harder. I mean, it's the same concept, you know, the same percentage of teams make the playoffs right in hockey. Maybe. And is it like NBA where it's like real top heavy? You have like a handful of teams, you know, are going to be and then it's let's see how the rest shake out. No, I think in the NBA, you know, this each year, there's maybe three to five teams maximum that have a legitimate true opportunity to win a championship. Now the difference between the NBA and the NHL, which I do like this with the NBA, the way they've done it now the last couple of years, it used to be eight teams in the conference made the playoffs, which already is almost half the conference to begin with. And, but now it's the top 10 and the top six are automatically here. And then seven through 10 are playing games. They have like those that play in tournament, mini tournament. Uh, The NHL doesn't do that. The NHL there's um, well, there's two divisions in a conference. So the top three teams make it and then, two wild or for each and then two overall wild cards. Anyway, my point was this, the hockey is very, I don't want to say it's top heavy, but there's a lot of good teams. And then there's like a handful of really bad teams. And the Sabres quite frankly, have been one of those really bad teams now for a number of years that are always buried. The Sabres haven't played any, forget about the playoffs, Aaron, the Buffalo Sabres have not played meaningful hockey. in I would say over the last month of the regular season, probably going back, eight, nine years. They're always buried and out of it by the time, like by the time you and your wife are celebrating St. Pat or uh, Valentine's day, it's pretty much, that's a wrap for the Sabres. And it might end up being the case this year too, but man, they're seven and three right now. Again, like I said, there's only two teams in the NHL that 
that had more points than Buffalo. And we're 10, I mean, 10 games is not exactly a tiny sample size. I know it's a long season, 82 games, but you're 10 games in now. And uh, seven to three, they're looking good. They're fun. Good. Good. It's exciting. I'm glad. It's, I'm at, look, I'm not a Sabres fan. I got a lot of Sabres followers and stuff. Sure. Um, I'm happy. It, Twitter's better when the Sabres are good. Twitter's miserable when Sabres Twitter is just at its absolute worst, just sure. like can't control himself. So uh, this for me, even though I'm not a hockey fan, there is some residual goodness that comes from when uh, Buffalo Twitter is happy about both sports. Yeah, it's it's just fun to see. Again, they're not on the Bills level right now. There's there's no Josh Allen's on the Sabres, although I'm telling you, Tate Thompson and uh, Rest of Stalin are, are playing spectacular hockey right now. Anyway, it's just fun to see, and it's just – Again, it's such a stark contrast in recent years, and I just remember piling on the Sabres every single week with Joe Yurt and how much I hated that fucking team right now. But now they're fun and they're uh, exciting to watch. Before we talk about Naheem Himes, and here's what I want to do today, folks. Um, I'm going to play, at some point, two different clips. I'm going to play a clip. This is reaction to Naheem Himes, the Indianapolis Colts running back being traded to Buffalo. I'm going to play a clip from my show with Tim Graham and Sal Capaccio earlier this week where they talked about from what they've heard Heinz's impact, what they expect on and off the field. I'm also going to play a clip from uh, the Pat McAfee show. Pat McAfee, of course, um, you know, former Indianapolis Colts, big Colts fan still. He had a pretty strong take on them. I don't want to get some reaction from Aaron as well. And we got a pl- plenty of other Bill stuff to get to as well. For that, though, I mean, just, again, we take these on Thursday mornings, these casual Friday shows. Derrick Henry just got named AFC uh, Offensive Player of the Month. I uh, I looked it up. Five. He had a big game on Sunday. I think that might yep. put him over the top. But 563 yards on 112 carries, five yards per carry. Actually, you know, that's pretty good, man. Five touchdowns. You know, I, I'll tell you what. I'm kind of changing my mind in real time right now, Aaron, because I was going to bitch about this. I was like, I think Josh – because Josh was AFC Offensive Player of the Week, two of these four weeks in the month. I mean, that's literally half the month right there. Yeah. But now I'm looking at it. Five touchdowns, five yards per carry, 563 yards in four games. Uh, and he's carrying Tennessee right now. Yeah, I mean, absolutely. Injuries, you know, uh, Tannehill's been hurt. So, you know what, maybe this isn't as egregious as uh, my knee-jerk initial reaction was. Yeah. Uh, you know, these one, these things, first of all, don't matter a ton. And sure. they, they are 5-2. and two. And when you look at that Bills win against Tennessee, I think – you know, a lot of people could have said, written them off after the way the Bills played them and said, you know what, this yeah. team's not a contender. They're not going to, they're not what they used to be. They're I shell, wrote them off. Yeah, they're shell, they're former selves. Um, and for them to respond in this way and in this NFL to stick to what it is you do and grinding out wins on the run, like Vrabel's built a really strong program over there in Tennessee. And really, no matter what, if it's Ryan Tannehill or whatever, I think that they're going to remain competitive. It almost reminds me of like what Tomlin has done over the years with the Steelers. Like they, no matter what they're rolling out, they're going to be a team that's competitive. It does help that they're in the AFC South. Um, That is a real thing, but I'm not mad that uh, Derrick Henry's returning to form and and giving flowers for that. Sure. And um, I looked up Josh Allen's stats. If if people, because I even tweet again, I initially reacted. I'm like, I'm not sure he he deserves this. In fact, I'm quite confident he doesn't. I looked up Josh's numbers for the month of October, 1184 yards passing, 10 touchdowns, uh, 193 rushing yards, 4-0 for the month, including beating Baltimore and Kansas City on the road. And again, twice 
named AFC Offensive Player of the Week. So you could say he's deserving. I think might, what well, might have hurt him. And again, you're right. It doesn't mean shit. I mean, we're just, we're talking about something that doesn't actually matter. But I think, yeah, he did have four interceptions for the month. And two of them were on national TV against Green Bay. And I'm sure you would agree. I mean, the, the game's ancient history now. Really, I don't need to rehash the game. By Josh Allen's MVP elite status, it wasn't a great game for Josh Allen. At least in the second half, it wasn't anyway. Maybe that hurt him a little bit, I guess. Don't really matter. Yeah. Aaron's like, what the fuck? Yeah. <laughs> Whatever. Whatever. <laughs> All right. Let, let, let's talk about Naeem Hines. Like I said, we're going to get, in, yeah, yeah. Gonna get in a couple other things. I want to start, like I said, if uh, if he didn't catch the show on Wednesday, I had Sal Capaccio and Tim Graham with me at Imperial Pizza. And at some point, uh, the conversation turned to Naeem Hines. So I got a video clip. I'm going to play. It's a pretty long clip. But I want you to settle in. We'll have we'll hear what Tim and uh and Sale had to say, and then I want to get your, your reaction to as well as like I said, it's a clip from uh from Pat McAfee. But first, let's play that clip from uh, Sale and Tim. Going back to Hines, what should Bills fans feel about him as a player? You know, like what, what what do you anticipate his role being? My my thought process was it's nothing against James Cook. I just feel like if something were to happen to Devin Singletary near the end of the season, then maybe they didn't feel comfortable with a rookie possibly having to lug too much of the load going into the playoffs. Is Hines just insurance? Is he the guy who's going to be the number two? What, what I think there's about two things. And the number one word is trust. I think the Bills got Naheem Hines for two reasons. Number one, in case you come into a critical situation, a critical game, you're like, we trust this guy as a veteran more than maybe James Cook. But also, he is a punt returner. Sean McDermott has proven he does not he needs to have somebody back there that he can trust. Mm-hmm. You got Khalil Shakir, who I think we all like. Big situation, weather turns, playoff game. Khalil Shakir's back there. We're all kind of like, okay, make the play, kid. Don't do anything stupid. Now you got Naeem Hines. I think this does that and allows Shakir to go more into an offensive role. I think this is about trust going forward. 100% agree. It's because Brandon Bean and Sean McDermott and the coaches and the staff have seen Naeem Hines do it. Yep, they haven't really seen Cook do it aside from in college. Uh, right. They've seen him do a little bit here and there in a in a Bills uniform against NFL defenders. But Naheem Hines has a body of work that gives peace of mind when you put him yep. on the field. He's not going to screw up. Um, the other thing that I do want to point out is I I saw it publicly, but I also heard from people who cover the Colts. It sounds to me like the Bills got their offensive version of Von Miller. Excuse me. Now here's where my voice given out. Of Von Miller in the locker room. Oh, really? A great guy, class individual, a go-to soundbite, but also a motivator, a leader. Wow. Um, so uh, now that, – That, Tim, that you – we could talk about this. You know, and I know, that matters immensely to this organization. Sure. I mean – Now, it's not – now, it's different when you're coming in in week eight. Right. We're heading into week nine, really, right? Isn't that what we're doing? Because there's a That's bye. Right. They yes. play, so we're heading into week nine. We're beyond the halfway point of the NFL season. This isn't a and a great word that you use. This isn't a long onboarding process like you have with Von Miller. This is a guy who's parachuting into the locker room and is probably going to pick his spots in terms of, hey, I, we know who Josh Allen is. We know Deion Dawkins is a big personality. Von Miller, all these captains that they have. Mitch Morse, he's not going to come in and be Von Miller. I don't want to say that, right. but in terms of the character, the classiness, the leadership, I'm, I've heard nothing but praise about how the Colts are losing a big locker room guy in Naheem Hines. And can I get one more thing about the on-field? 
Let's go back to them losing J.D. McKissick. This is the player they've been after, guys. Yeah. This is him, right? I did a comparison today. I tweeted it out. The per-game averages between Hines and McKissick since Hines came, Hines came in the league, they're almost exactly the same in the receiving game. They literally have the exact same numbers per game. If you're a Bills casuals, Bill fan, well, let's say you don't know anything about Hines, you don't follow the league too much, it's just the Bills, and, and you're, you, know, you only know your own players. What does this tell you about James Cook right now? Is it, does, does it really mean much of anything? Because Hines isn't necessarily a rental player. I mean, he's under contract for two more years. Now, it's not guaranteed money, so, you know, they could do some things during the offseason if they wanted to. I didn't start thinking about this so later tonight. I actually do think it impacts Devin Singletary. There's no way they're paying. I think that contract that Hines has, which is like four and then five million, is about what maybe Singletary would have been on the open market for the Bills to retain next year. That's about my thought. I can't see both of them. I think this does mean that maybe that's closer to allowing Devin Singletary to move on. As far as Cook, I think it is just giving him that much more of a runway towards his NFL career. He doesn't have the pressure of being that guy uh, in week 19 or whatever week 20 it is in the playoffs. And he takes that swing route out of the out of the backfield and he drops it in the flat. You know, mm-hmm. I'm thinking back on Devin Singletary and Zach Moss having their issues with either fumbles or drops. Um, I think this allows James Cook to – just earn his way a little bit more and not be under pressure to have to be the guy on Sunday or Monday night. All right. That was Tim Graham and Sal Capaccio with their take. I want to get your take on it. One thing that kind of struck me was Tim talking about uh, him becoming almost like a a Vaughn Miller of the locker room and the kind of respect he commanded. That's something I had, you know, no idea about, but now that we've had a couple days for this trade to digest, what are your thoughts on it? Yeah, I wasn't when the rumors first came out of Hines being linked to Buffalo and the other running backs that existed out there in terms of rumors. Uh, Hines was low on my list. Uh, I was really higher in on Kareem Hunt, uh, the mm-hmm. big swing of going to get like a Jacobs, things like that to fix the run game. Because here's the thing, Pat. I don't know that um, one. I don't know that the run game is as bad as Twitter makes it out to be. I think that it's fine. Part of the problem is the Bills rely on the pass more than the run you know what i mean like and we have seen devin singletary sort start to get going over the last couple of games it's just been sort of situationally how they go away from him or use him differently um and naheem hines didn't seem like the kind of guy in terms of the run game that unless you fix some of the issues or the issues with the offensive line kind of fix on their own that he's he wasn't kind of running back that necessarily can make up for those deficiencies but what i do like about this is the versatility of a Heinz, right? I think that this is, you know, people want to talk about how this uh, signing impacts James Cook, which there will be some impact to James Cook and his ability to get some of those touches right now. Uh, But I also think that this impacts Isaiah McKenzie, right? And Greg Thompson and I talked about this a little bit on our show that, you know, him coming in and having some uh, ability in the return game in the past, him having ability to be a, a gadget guy. Now you have really three, four dudes on this roster that can kind of handle that gadget, jet sweep, line them out wide, move them around, get them in the backfield, take handoff roll, right? You have Isaiah McKenzie obviously has done some of that. Khalil Shakir can do those things. We've seen him do it. He can do it. You have James Cook, and now you added Naheem Hines. So it makes some other guys a little bit redundant. I think the guy that it impacts the most will be Isaiah McKenzie because I think out of that group of guys I just listed, Isaiah is still the most limited, right? Like he – has really explosive straight line speed. I don't know that his speed translates into like shiftiness or that open field ability. We saw a little bit on that run play last week. Um, he's a, uh, we keep hearing how good of a receiver he is in man coverage, but 
you know, I don't need somebody that's kind of a one trick pony when I have Khalil Shakir can do those things, right? I can get right. Naheem Hines lined up out wide and he can do a little bit more. There's a little bit extra that these other guys bring. So I'm watching this kind of log jam at this idea of a gadget extra athlete that you're putting on the field. And I think right now Hines really jumps the list of those guys of how do we prioritize getting guys the ball and who do we prioritize getting the ball? I think Hines will take that lead. I also want to play a clip now. This is a much shorter clip, but you know, it's one thing to hear from a local perspective. Like I said, Aaron's got his thoughts. We we just heard Tim and Sal and their thoughts as well. Sometimes I like to hear the thoughts of somebody from the national side who doesn't necessarily have any emotional investment whatsoever in a player. They don't cover him. They're not a fan of him. Well, Pat McAfee is quite apparently a big fan of Naeem Hines because this is on his show on Tuesday. And by the way, this is like literally in real time, uh, Pat McAfee's reaction to the trade that happened just uh, minutes ago. But anyway, let me play uh, his thoughts. This is an audio clip. Here it is. Let me tell you about Naeem Hines as a Colts fan. Let me tell you about a guy who's going to be beloved by Bill's Mafia is incredible in the community. He's fucking explosive. He actually says before he returns punts, if I die, I die. He has that type of mentality. He has that type of mindset. He has the capability of doing a round-off back McTwist flip thing in full pads. He seems to be incredibly durable. He has the ability to be a slot wide receiver, a scat back, and he can fucking hit it and get it. He just hasn't had as many opportunities because Jonathan Taylor was here and there was a a, a full stable in the backfield two years ago whenever he was good. We did pay Naeem Hines. We thought Naeem Hines would become one of the big-time receiving threats for the Indianapolis Colts this season. The season has not gone how everybody expected it. They paid Naeem. He was being talked about as being shopped around. And whenever I heard that the Bills were looking for a running back, it was supposed to be Kamara. Kamara has three touchdowns. Don't think the Saints are going to trade him, obviously, is what we're doing. I said this morning in the kitchen over there, if Naeem Hines goes to the Bills, nobody's going to talk about it. But Naeem Hines is going to become a fucking weapon for the Buffalo Bills. If he has any space at all, he's gone. Hits it, gets it, fast, beloved. We're going to miss him in Indy. I don't know what messages to send to the entire Indianapolis Colts fan base. I don't know what this means for the future. But I do know I'm happy for Naeem Hines going to a playoff contender, a real threat, and fucking Bills Mafia, you're going to love this dude. He is awesome. All right, that was Pat McAfee on his show. Yep. Like I said, moments after, you know, you, you talked about his fit on the field. I think what we're hearing, from, like I said, from, from Tim, from Sale, and now from Pat, who's very connected, obviously, to the Colts. You know, you, we talk all the time, or, or we hear all the time anyway, about the uh, the culture and all this stuff with the Bills in the locker room and, and the character of their players. I mean, it, it just it feels like this is a marriage made in heaven, at least from that side, doesn't it? Yeah. It's, uh, yeah, no, and when we uh, we talk about the guys that I wanted more, and I I realized I had brought up Cream Hunt, and I understand the off the field issues and things like that, and so right. this really is a sort of polar opposite swing where you get a guy that is a fit, is explosive, adds some different dynamics than Hunt would have, but you have zero issues with adding him to this fan base, adding him to this locker room. There's really you don't have to have any conversations with anybody on the side and say, hey. I know this might feel uncomfortable for you, but this is for the team. Like, this is just a add this guy in, plug and play. He's going to start doing charities. He's going to start doing all the off the field stuff that you want him to do. But then he's also going to take it seriously and be the guy on the field that you're bringing in to be. So I don't always necessarily care about the off the field stuff. I do think the Bills have a, a good enough culture. They, I think they are strong enough in that locker room where they can absorb some guys that aren't perfect fits and aren't choir boys and all that stuff. 
but I won't lie that it's it's probably better if you can also get talented players that just do all the right things as well, right? Like it's just one less thing you have to deal with. I I feel like the Bills were interested in Kareem Hunt, and I think the price that Cleveland was asking yeah, was for sure. more than than the Bills uh wanted to meet. But ultimately, for a guy like me who has to cover this team and talk about it, um, as much as, as I think Kareem would help the the bills on the field it's not the difference of the bills winning a super bowl or not and i don't believe and the fact that now i don't have to have that uncomfortable conversation that was a tough one for me pat during this time period because i'm looking at the available free agents and i'm looking at the fit right just from a football perspective and seeing cream hunt and anytime i even like kind of alluded to it dude i just got blasted the things people said about me i showed my wife some of the comments that people said about me they're like you support uh women beaters Right. Like people were like talking about that. I'm like, dude, these people don't even know me at all. Like it, I, those are the few times in a Twitter conversation where it's hard to have any type of conversation without people trying to imply you are personally something. And that, that's where it's hard for me. So I'm glad that we got to avoid all of that going forward. Not specifically that, but it's things like that. And I got, I got some of that as well. Some really nasty, shitty comments. And I know there was one point where you got enough of this shit. You got off social media for a while. And I remember that, you know what I mean? You said, you, yeah, I got to get away from this for a while. Right. People get really personal and nasty with shit on, on social media when they don't agree with your view. I right. felt the same exact way you do when it comes to Kareem Hunt. On the field, I thought he, he, he's a big upgrade, especially over Zach Moss. And quite frankly, I think he's a better football player than I am. But right. I get it. You know, we weren't talking about the off-field stuff. And if, they're, if the Bills were to bring a player like uh, Kareem Hunt into this locker room. And this is all a moot point now, obviously, anyway. But mm-hmm. I trust the leadership of this team. I trust the coaches. I trust the culture that has been built that Kareem Hunt would have fit in perfectly fine in this yeah. locker room. It wasn't Aaron and I saying, you know, who gives a shit this guy about his past and what he did. No, mm-hmm. no, nobody was saying that. I'm no. I, I'm kind of getting annoyed now because you tell me that I didn't know that you were getting those comments. I got a lot of them too, man. I got a couple nasty ass freaking DMs from people pretty much along the same lines. It was, uh, it, it was really annoying, but anyway, circling back to Heinz. Yep. Um, I talked about a little bit at the beginning of that clip. What does, what do you think this says right now for James cook? Because again, my attitude has been, I like what I've seen lately from cook. Like he looked good against green right. Bay. So if you were for looking sure. if the bills, didn't make a move. I would have felt better about the position because I like the way cook looked against the Packers. But I think this is about trust late season playoffs. Tim kind yeah. of alluded that you think that's got something to do with it too. Like, don't be down on James Cook because of this move, but it, it will I, affect him though. Now, yeah, yeah. I one, I'm already, I'm not down on James Cook, but uh, my view of James Cook has not changed significantly from when he was drafted in this summer. You know, so I'll take people quick, real quick through this timeline. They, the, the Bills drafted him. You know, Pat, I wasn't super in on it. I know you were. I didn't love mm-hmm. the pick. Um, I really would have wanted more offensive line help at that spot. I, I thought that they could get a running back somewhere else. There was some other running backs in the draft I liked. Then we fast forward to this summer. We're at training camp, and the usage of how they were trying to use Cook in the summer was exciting. I see the vision, right? I can see what they're trying to do with this kid. But I still kind of was pumping my own brakes on this because what you see in training camp is not necessarily indicative of what is going to happen in the season. And I knew that they would probably slowly bring him on and wanted to feature another running back. They didn't want to hand the keys over to a rookie. And we've we've seen a little bit why, right? You've seen some flashes, but there's still some issues with his vision. There's some issues with his pass protection. He doesn't quite know everything he's supposed to do. And I do think that the Bills would rather have a guy who has veteran experience, has playoff experience, has big game experience, 
behind Devin Singletary, where in case there is an injury right now, yeah. James Cook is not ready to be thrust into running back one. Nope. Like you could say what you want about him. If you are on the highest end of the James Cook spectrum, I still don't think that you're a person that believes that if Devin Singletary goes out, yeah, James not Cook now, not at this point. Up. He's not there yet. So you needed to do something really either way because Moss wasn't working out, right? We knew they had come to a realization that it was time for Zach Moss to either go somewhere else to get that opportunity for his career. He just wasn't going to be able to crack this active roster. And so without that depth of another running back, I don't know that it's in it's not an indictment on James Cook. I think their plan all along for Cook was that he is that guy for the future. And if they can sprinkle him in with some manufactured touches this season and get some of those plays that we saw in Green Bay, fantastic. We all want that. I just don't know that they believe in him in terms of being able to consistently do that on a week-in, week-out basis and then being able to rely on that into the playoffs. You've got to add the talent here. And I think this is a great way to do that and a guy that's seen some big games already. I think if you're a James Cook guy right now, bringing in Hines, you got, I think it's clear cut now. I think Singletary's one. I think Hines is two. And I think yeah. Cook is three for now. Mm-hmm. That said, next year, I think Singletary very well may walk, especially if they keep Hines because they're not going to pay Hines $5 million and re-sign Singletary and invest sure. a second round pick. So what? I think you're seeing the last year probably of Devin Singletary. What is the, uh, well, I'm, I don't know about that. I pumped the brakes there. I could see one, I think the Super Bowl. Parade. If the Bills get a Super Bowl parade, a lot of things are going to change. I think a lot of the ideas that we're not going to be able to bring back as many people as they think will will definitely change. We saw it with Tampa Bay, right? Nobody thought Tampa Bay would run it back. And then the Super Bowl parade happened. Everybody got drunk and they all agreed to come back. Uh, (laughs) You know what I mean? It's the Super Bowl hangover of like, and Von Miller's talked about that, the addiction that comes with winning those games. And so there's a chance that a lot of these guys come back. I can see Devin Singletary. One, he's not going to break the bank in free agency. There's a lot of free agent running backs, and a lot of them are better and splashier than Devin Singletary is. I also think Devin Singletary's best fit is still with the Buffalo Bills. Uh, Even though they don't necessarily run to his strength all the time, I don't know that there's a better team out there for him to fit into. I can see a continued scenario where Devin Singletary takes one-year deals. So Leonard Fournette's been doing it in Tampa Bay for a while. And we know, I don't think that either Hines or Cook can be a primary back or leaned on in that way. And I do think Devin Singletary can be if needed. I think that he can do a 20-touch game and have really good production and run in between the tackles and do everything you need him to do. Where I do think as good as, I think Hines can be as a runner. I think he's a better runner than James Cook. I think he's more versatile than James Cook. I don't know that he's ever going to be the bell cow and I know James Cook's not and so I do still think you are going to need one of those guys on the roster so either the Bills are going to have to draft another running back next year or bring in another low-end running back but I do think when the free agent market settles I won't be shocked if Devin Singletary's back on another one-year prove-it deal type of thing riding for one more Super Bowl ring and I would hate that and by the way if James Cook don't work out something it's a second round pick Sometimes that happens. You're not going to marry a guy for three or four years just because you initially drafted him in the second round. And but I will say, it could be different things. Like he could still be an effective player on this team. It doesn't yeah, necessarily sure. mean he has to be a bell cow running back in order for that pick to have worked out. I completely agree with you. I could see it in a situation like this. All right, so Cook's your three right now. We all know that. Let's just say that they do lose Singletary. I think Hines would stay two. I think Cook might be a one, but not like a true bell cow one to your point. Kind of like, and they're different styles. I'm Neither of them are like A.J. Dillon. But you know how like Aaron Jones and A.J. Dillon are kind of sharing the load in Green Bay? I could see a scenario going forward in 2022 maybe or 2023 where maybe Hines and Cook are kind of like sharing the load. And maybe they do draft a, 
a running back in the future. But anyway, I, I, I wouldn't worry about it too much if I'm yeah. a James Cook guy. And uh, I, I think Hines is going to be a good fit. One more question about him, then we'll move on. Uh, you see him being brought along slowly. Like, I don't think he's – I don't even know if he's going to play on Sunday. We're taping this Thursday morning. We don't know as of now. But this is probably a guy where it might take a week or two before you start to see. Maybe he'll return punts. But besides that, uh, in fact, I think he, I wouldn't be surprised if he returns punts right away, by the way. Um, yeah, that's something we didn't really talk about in terms of also rookies. Like, I do think it's it, – Khalil Shakir's done a nice job, and I like him returning punts. But, it, again – it's not bad to have a veteran presence back there, especially come playoff time that has seen more things and done more things. Um, I could see a scenario where uh, Naheem comes in right away and just is that not a ton of snaps, but becomes sort of running back to AB with Cook here for the first couple of weeks before really solidifying taking over that role. But I think the interesting thing is going to play out to me is how does this active roster look uh, for game day roster, for game day actives, and who's going to be inactive. Are they going to run with three running backs now? Because they haven't in every game. They haven't some, but it hasn't been every game where they've gone three running backs. So how does that impact game day actives? I'm not sure. Trey White coming back, how's that also going to impact game day actives, right? We've got a, a number of guys uh, in the defensive back room. So there's going to be some interesting trickles of adding Trey White, of adding Naheem Hines, and then eventually, um, we haven't even talked about what are they going to do when they add Odell Beckham. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Sports fans who like to wager, I'm here to tell you about OddsTrader, the number one site for all your game day bets. If you're looking for a one-stop space on these interwebs to compare odds live up to the minute, Look no further than Odds Trader. Why is Odds Trader so valuable to you? Well, for starters, it's the perfect place to compare betting odds and lines from all the major sports books. Why does that matter? Well, it matters because if you're liking a team, you want to throw down some cash on them, you're getting your choice of what's getting you the best odds, the best lines. It's a chance to find the highest payouts if you're betting on the underdogs or whether you're profiting the most if you're going with the favorites. Odds Trader also allows you to compare all the different signup codes and promos from the sports books so that you can get the best deal out there for you. If that's not enough, Odds Trader, the app, also gives you player stats, key game stats, injury reports, projected game day weather, which, by the way, that could be a huge thing to know in certain situations. Odds Trader also has a betting tracker so they can keep records of all your games that you have wagers on and all your betting activity. Simply put, 
OddsTrader gives you quite literally everything you need to make the most informed bets humanly possible. If you're into betting on sports games, any sport, by the way, make sure you go to oddstrader.com slash bluewire. Again, that's oddstrader.com slash bluewire. OddsTrader, the number one site for all your game day bets. Back with Aaron Quinn from Cover One, co-host of the Cover One Buffalo podcast, alongside Greg Thompson, live after Buffalo Bills games, also Wednesday shows during the season. Funny you say that. Now, Aaron and I have barely talked during this week, been busy, a lot of stuff going on. By the way, before we get into some uh, other stuff, I noticed what's going on with your, uh, if you're watching this on video, Aaron's Aaron's got a boo-boo, he's got a a cast on. What happened, buddy? I have had... The week of just, it's not been a great week here at my house, Pat. So first of all, this weekend, I'm playing with my kids. My wife's not, she's out doing some shopping or something. I'm hanging out, playing with my kids, going to make them lunch. And we have a big ottoman and I just go to get myself up off the ground. And I just pushed up off my ottoman. And the sound that came out of my thumb was like, if you just took a head of celery and just snapped it, it just (laughs) crushed. And I was like, what? I just like bent my thumb back and I immediately broke out into just cold sweats. My whole body was drenched in sweat. And I was like, oh, I for sure like just snapped my thumb or something, broke it. And so went to urgent care. They found a slight fracture. They thought it was inconclusive. Ended up going to Excelsior Orthopedics, which has been fantastic to me. Ended up being a uh, severe ligament sprain mm. in the thumb. And to prevent a full on ligament tear, they've casted me up for the next month. So I'm in a Buffalo Bills blue they asked me what color I wanted. I said, my poor wife, uh, she, I'd messaged her. I'm like, oh, it's going to be stuck in a cast. And one of her first thoughts was we have family pictures coming up. Her whole family's coming up. We're doing this big family picture thing. Big deal. Outfits have been picked out. And she was like, oh, shit, you're going to be casted for our picture. And I was like, yeah, but honey, it's fine. I picked out Buffalo Bills blue, so it's going to match everything I'm wearing. And she, I swear to her, she texted me back. She's like, you're not as funny as you think you are. You never have been. And I will kill you <laughs> is what she texted back. So I got to hide the cast during the pictures, but then dude. So then yesterday I didn't even tell you this. And this is a kind of news for whoever I spent the entire day yesterday again at urgent care and in the emergency room, I'm sitting around doing work, drop my kids off. My watch all of a sudden pops up. I have an iWatch. It says, are you working out? And I was like, no. And I look at it and my heart rate was 165. I was just Jesus. sitting there. My heart rate jumped up to 165. And then I started to feel just disoriented, tight, like it just was running. It stayed around there for like 20 minutes. Couldn't get it down. So I, I'm, I'm hitting almost 40 years old, Pat. And I hear horror stories. So I'm like, you know what? I'm just going to go over to urgent care. Check this out. Make sure I'm okay. It stayed up. They gave me EKGs and stuff. And they're like, dude, your heart rate's like 130. And it was just there for like two hours. Ended up sending me over to uh, Kenmore Mercy. I'm at Kenmore Mercy all day yesterday. Running tons of blood work, tons of tests x-rays everything trying to figure out what the hell's wrong with me uh heart rate stayed up the entire time they're like dude you gotta relax like i'm on an iv they couldn't get it ended up being uh rsv i think it's called um they tested me for covid and everything and ended up being a respiratory thing that i got from my kids and apparently in adults it can just like uh when your body's fighting it it can just get your heart rate up and you're not able to get it down and so i ended up being totally fine but dude just stuck in the emergency room all day yesterday with my heart just beating through my chest. Well, weird, that's a really sucks, weird week. But that sucks, but good for you to go get yourself checked, man. Some people, I, I'm very stubborn. I hate going to the hospital and shit gets often worse. You know, people, oh, it's just a cold, it's just a flu. You don't know. I what's hear going horror on, stories, man. man. You never know. And you know what? 
Uh, people can say what they want about our medical system and all that, but you know what? I'm lucky enough to have insurance and God damn it, I'm going to use it. Uh, I, I don't want to be one of those guys that adds nothing and I end up dead in my uh, bathroom because I couldn't get over Exactly. That, that's my point, man. You know, yeah. people end up having heart attacks and strokes and aneurysms and stuff because things, their symptoms and their sides building up and they just stay Trust home. Yourself, and I'll get better. Pop Trust a couple yourself. If you're, not, yeah. if you're not feeling good, man, get it looked. Yeah, yeah I agree. hundred percent. All right. So before the break, you said tongue in cheek. I think it was tongue in cheek. I don't know. It was not. It was uh, okay. Not. That's my point. That's yep. what I was getting to. Let's talk about it. I, for the first time, legitimately, truly believe that the Bills are very, very, very much in play right now for Adele Beckham Jr. I, listening to Brandon Bean talk on a Wednesday, he, he did not dismiss it at all. And he was mm-hmm. pretty much said he'd be crazy to not, you know, and look into adding a guy like this. I'm thinking about it uh, the whole time. I've been like, eh, you know, I hear it all the time. Players recruit other players. The guys come in here, come in here, blah, blah. And it doesn't end up working out. I'm convinced now for literally the first time, I think the Bills are one of, I know there's like four or five teams that are reportedly like in the mix. Although I think some of that is just reporters saying, all right, where would he fit best? I don't know if the teams are actually in the mix or not. I think there's two teams that are very, very, very squarely in the mix for Dell Beckham Jr. I think ultimately He's going to end up either in Buffalo or back with the Rams. I think it's going to be one of those two teams. And for the first time, I think the Bills are very legitimately dead smack in the middle of this mix. I can see yeah. it happening now for the first time for real. Uh, Rams are three and four. Yeah. And I don't believe that they have a legitimate shot at a Super Bowl. I don't. I don't think they, they belonged in the Super Bowl a year ago. And I don't think that they have a legitimate shot at it this year. And I really think that – so for that reason – I agree with you that I, one, I thought the bills were in play this entire time. I thought they were at least one of the top three teams the entire time. Kansas city was kind of floating around there for a little while too, but the trading for Kadarius Tony probably makes that a little bit more difficult. Not that Kadarius Tony would prevent you from adding mm-hmm. Odell for a rental, but so chiefs maybe are still sneaky in that list. Uh, Cause they're still an explosive team. They still are one of those better teams and it's going to come down to, which team can offer either a little bit more money or get a little bit more creative with the one-year deal or maybe a two-year deal. And then it's going to come down to, as Brandon Bean sort of alluded, the available role for him on whichever team it is because he is wanting to showcase his talents on a big stage with a real team in the playoffs so that he can get another legitimate contract, right? Like we've talked about this a bunch that Odell Beckham Jr. is about to be the Super Bowl MVP. He was about to get a massive, contract if he stays healthy finishes that game he was going to get a huge contract so i think he wants that one more big contract and i would sure. love for buffalo to be the platform that provides that to him uh there's just too much smoke bat uh everybody's von miller is not going to put this locker room at jeopardy he's not going to throw brandon bean under the bus we t- he talks about how much he respects brandon bean and he respects the nfl he respects all the players on his own roster I don't think that he would cause any tension and turmoil by continuously talking about Odell and the, him coming to the team. And he's doubled down on this three or four times now. I don't think, I think Vaughn understands the media and all that to not just be loosey goosey with this kind of information he's talking about. We've heard Stefan Diggs has been reaching out to him, even on Vaughn's own podcast. And we talked about, Oh, we're going to be adding some reinforcements. Both he and Stefan Diggs are just sitting there giggling. And you know that it's about Odell Beckham jr. Odell's tweeted about the bills with like emojis Yesterday, Trey White, when asked, said that he's messaged him a ton of times with emojis. Like, 
there's there's something real here. Okay, we can't ignore that everybody on the team, all your leaders, Stephon Diggs is a captain. Trey White's a captain and a leader of this team. You know Josh Allen is pounding the table for more weapons. Like, you've got your entire leadership, Von Miller, like everyone in your locker room's all in on this. I guarantee you Brandon Bean has already had conversations. There's framework for an offer. They're just waiting this out for him. One, we got to make sure he's healthy. So I'm going to big thing too. The player, his name, his reputation is one thing. The knee is another. He's got to be, he's got to be at least close. And that's my, that's where I'm at. So I think I I'm going to go, this is where my stance is. I think Odell Beckham Jr. Is an absolute lock to be on the Buffalo Bills, barring that he plays at all this year. Like he might not play at all. He might not be healthy enough to go to any team and that no other contender has any type of major injury over the next month. Let me throw one team out You're And by the way, good point. That could change a contending yes. team. If, uh, if somebody from the chiefs, if Scantling goes out or Hardman goes sure. down with a big injury or, or chase sure. or Thielen and the Vikings, like somebody that's right. in the middle of a run, uh, a Dallas yes. Cowboy, there's going to be a bunch of teams here that think they can make a run where if somebody was to get hurt over the next month, they would probably extend a more lucrative deal and better opportunity to display his talents. Yeah, to an extent, I agree about the the better opportunity. Financially, I don't know how much he could get just to come play a couple games in sure. the playoffs. But we're talking like it, like Greg was saying the other night on our show. It's it's more like how creative can teams be in their current cap situation because you're limited a little bit. Like the cap's not fake, but there is some tools that you can use. And I don't know who's who's got what available in their purse. The cap is fake after seeing Chubb's deal for Miami. I'm like, how many guys are they going to be able to give this? Definitely um, malleable. Yeah. There's one other team, too. I should have mentioned them. Potential, if there is a dark horse team, it sounded crazy maybe four or five weeks ago, but the New York Giants need a number one receiver, and the New York Giants only got two losses right now. You want to talk about an opportunity to to come back to the team you were originally went and – you know, put up some big numbers at the end in, in a playoff race. But yeah, I agree. He's not going to have a better opportunity to win a Super Bowl than he is in Buffalo. And he also wouldn't have the pressure of having to go out and have eight to 10 receptions every week yeah. either. So, and I got one for you. I, I'll turn the tables to you because I've had people like, well, where does Odell Beckham fit? But like, well, let's be honest here. If, if we're assuming that he'll pass a physical and be somewhat to sure. his normal self, like you, Isaiah McKenzie, Khalil Shakir, like these aren't guys that you don't make this move for, right? Oh, like, they're not those dudes. Right. Yeah. Okay. No, he's the best fit. Buffalo is the best fit. Yeah. They can afford him and they want him. Yeah. It, it just, it may, sometimes there's just too much smoke for them to not I be agree. fire. And that's kind of where I'm at with him. Another guy I wanted to touch on quickly here. So Trey White, we all know he's, he, he's back. It doesn't yeah. mean he's playing Sunday. And I, I right. have a feeling when he does come back, whether it's, this week or maybe Minnesota the week after. And again, we're taping early Thursday. We don't know his game status yet. I think he's going to be eased in. I don't think he's going to be starting, the, you know, the first series and playing four quarters. He might play a couple series for a week and kind of get eased back in. I think the Bills have that luxury now with Elam and Benford playing pretty well and, and getting some game experience. Anyway, I don't want to talk about the on-field stuff. We know what he's going to bring yeah. when he's back and when he's healthy. And it's a lot. It's good. Yeah. But he spoke for the first time. Um, like, well, probably well over a year where he it's actually sat down. And I, I thought it was very interesting how he talked about uh, just the darkness, the dark days of, of um, you know, he said he pretty much had himself locked in the basement. Like mm-hmm. the depression from the injury and stuff like that. And sometimes, yeah. you know, his fans, 
and even content creators, we, we kind of just focus so much on the on-field stuff mm-hmm. that, you know, we don't really think too much about what goes on with these players off the field and in their homes and in their personal lives. And it was, uh, I thought it was pretty telling, you know, the way he talked about, uh, like I said, just feeling dark and, and, and being in the basement and depressed, you know what I mean? So it sucks to hear a guy that you like as a person and a player have to go through stuff like that. Yeah. I mean, Von Miller had a great point on his podcast this week. So he was asked basically about, um, Jair Alexander celebrating when the game was over, like celebrating the interception when mm-hmm. the game was pretty much over and like how they feel about teams doing that. And Vaughn Miller's point, I know this doesn't sound like it connects, was how hard it is to do this job and be in the NFL and work towards this type of success and being at the top of this level that when you have an opportunity to make a play, like so much goes into that that you do celebrate it. And my point to connecting that to Trey White is, you've got a guy that has dedicated his entire life to getting to the most elite level of what it is he does in the world. And for an injury to just derail that and something you really can't control, you just plant your foot in the ground and boom, your season's over. And maybe it's a career defining thing, right? It has, even though people are recovering from ACLs all the time nowadays, there's still got to be that thing in the back of a guy like Trey White's mind. Like, am I ever going to be the same again? This is a long road to recovery. Like, am I going to be able to get through this type of recovery? Like, you know, and we know the NFL is a fickle business. So there's probably just a lot of anxiety and real human things going through his mind in that moment. And just the pressure of, like he said, trying to do the research to find what is the right path, right? Like the team has an idea of what they want, but you also have to get some second opinions. There's a lot of pressure. You're, you can't just go over to whatever medical facility and get work on Trey White's knee. You want to find the best of the best in the entire world and make sure that process is going to go well. And so for a guy that's dedicated his entire life to his body and getting his body ready to do this and your entire life has been all about football for that to just stop. And now you're stuck in surgery. Like that is a big thing. Harrison Phillips talked about it a couple of years, really had the same exact story, like how just difficult mentally it was to get over those hurdles. Um, And so I think it's important. I think that's an area where it's important that the bills culture, we heard uh, how much Mike Hyde, meant to him during that period of time and some of the other guys on the team, uh, the training staff itself, the wellness facility, like it shows the bills have put uh, money and investment in the right areas for even things like this. So that when you lose a player like this, like the entire building is ready and and behind him in support because it does matter. The mental side of recovery is just as important as the physical side and keeping that positive attitude and getting everybody back ready for the, the goal. So I think he was in the right place to have this type of injury with the right people around him. Um, and I, I know that Trey's going to have himself, right? He's just an absolute consummate professional and he'll, he'll, he'll get back ready to go here. It's taken, uh, what are we, seven games, eight games in? Sooner or later, this, this topic was going to come. Um, it's been pretty easy this year because I, I think Tremaine Edmonds, he's, look, he's, ah. he's always been a polarizing guy and he will continue to remain one. I, I think he's been really good this year. I, I, I've been high on Tremaine Edmonds this year. Mm-hmm. I think he's looked, I don't want to say faster because he's always looked fast. And we right. all know the stuff he does on tape that, you know, it doesn't necessarily show up in the statutes, but I think he's been more aggressive, more decisive. He's made uh, bigger hits, more plays near the line of scrimmage this year as a whole. But I thought, <clears throat> I thought he was lousy in Green Bay, and I haven't got, I haven't had a chance to talk again. You got a lot going on this week, and I haven't had a chance to listen to uh, you and Greg from your show this week. So I don't know if you guys talked about him or not. 
but I thought he was really lousy against Green Bay, and I know the scheme, and I know they were inviting Green Bay to run, and I know yep. they played in a nickel the whole game, which, by the way, they pretty much do that every single week anyway, so that's nothing new. Um, and then people are like, all right, so here comes a Tremaine Edmonds. Great debate. The people who love him. Well, he had 16 tackles. My attitude is I don't give a shit how many tackles he had. He had 16 tackles. 13 of them were probably eight yards down the field. That I just don't think he played well. Why can't a guy, why can't a player, you can like a player and think he's a good player, but it's like, God forbid you criticize a guy. And it's taken all season with, with Bill's Twitter for this to come about. But for the first time this season, I think this past week, you've kind of seen Tremaine Emmons is good versus Tremaine Emmons is bad. I don't look at it that way because, again, this was just one game to me. Yeah. What was Here's my long-winded question for you, man. What did you think of his game on, on Sunday? I don't care about the stats. I quite frankly thought he was lousy. What did you think? Maybe, maybe you completely disagree with me. And that's fine. Uh, there were some good and bad built into the game, just as always. Uh, I think I thought actually he was pretty good in the game, especially in terms of coverage, which is what they were really trying to take away. They were going after taking away the pass from the Packers, especially how that game played out. Where going into the half, you were up so much. Von Miller talked about it. Like they just really anticipated them throwing. It's like late in the third quarter and they're still running. Vaughn talked about being out of position and run fits a bunch because he just didn't think they were going to continue. They were shocked. Yeah. And so they were, he, he was on a pass rush and gave up a rush lane. Like, and I think that there was a lot of that going on along the defensive line. And if we're going to give Tremaine Edmonds, uh, we're going to negatively grade him and go after him in this game. And we also have to apply that to guys like Taron Johnson. We have to apply that to guys like Von Miller, who openly admitted that he did, was not uh, maintaining his rush lanes in these things. And uh, stopping the run, Sean McDermott has talked about so many times. That is the ultimate, like, one of 11 duty is run stopping because everybody has to fit their lanes. Everybody's got to fit exactly where they're intended to be on a run play. Otherwise, there's going to be a hole. There's going to be a bounce back. There's going to be somewhere for a running back to go. There was plenty of times uh, I didn't watch the film in a ton of detail, but being in the cover one Slack channel and getting film back and forth uh, there, there was plenty of plays where one, we saw him with fantastic coverage. And obviously Matt Milano gets the splash plays where he gets the almost pick and the pick, but Tr- uh, Tremaine caused one of them. He, he caused the deflection that makes the ball go in the air and Matt Milano almost comes down with it. He was great in coverage. He was fine in the run. The run never really, like those yards don't matter. The bills don't care about yards. It was a bend, but don't break like, go ahead, run out the clock. I don't right. particularly care. We know that when the bills want to shut down your run, going to play Tennessee, playing some of these teams, like it, when they really prioritize it, they can do that. Has it always worked? No, but we know that they actually can play really good run defense when they are supposed to. I think this was a really weird game and a really weird game plan by the Packers. And just, and then the optics of the game afterwards, Pat, were so like this felt like a loss. If you look at the analytics of the cover one content this week, similar to a week where we lost, like people were just not into the bills, but then I posted the win probability never once it it hit like 70 at one point in like the first quarter. And after that, it was in like 98, 99, the entire game. This game was never close. It was never even a consideration. that was close. And the Packers look like absolute idiots for running the ball the way they did. And if I'm the bills, like I would have been confused, but sitting back, like, okay, like, yeah, do that. Run it. Go ahead. You're never going to come back in this game. It was really, it was such a weird day and a weird game because yeah. I convinced, look, I hate the Bills play that night, and I know you're a 1 o'clock Sunday guy too, yeah. generally speaking. 
I could because if the Bills play tonight, I will convince myself that anyone can beat them. It's just how it is. I got too much time to think about it. So I'm like, you know what? I don't care what how people are talking about how Green Bay shot, they're washed. They still have a back-to-back MVP quarterback. This might end up being a shootout, and I'm scared, obviously. No. So the game was never in danger, to your point. I never thought the Bills were going to lose. But that said, when the game was over, I kind of felt empty. Maybe I think it was because they had Green Bay blown out, and I so badly wanted to see Aaron Rodgers sit and sulk on the bench for the entire second half by himself, contemplating life, because I, I think he's a douchebag. So I really wanted Green Bay to get blown out, and the Bills didn't do that. Josh Allen played uh, uncharacteristically bad in the second half. Well, at least a couple really bonehead. I was going to say, yeah, picks. it's really just the picks. Exactly. The picks told yeah. the story of exactly. this game. It was, it, it was just weird. That man. was the difference between a 40-something point. Right, and I wanted that. Versus a close game. I, but right. that's the league, man. It's always I know. Like four the difference of it getting out of control and, and going the other way. Uh, it's not always going to go that way. It's, dude, one. I'm a little worried, Pat, that our fan base is already entitled and we haven't even won a Super yes. Bowl yet because I dude, acted entitled Sunday. I yeah, that's what I'm do. talking about. We all are a little bit, dude, because we've seen we've literally seen perfect football before, Pat. I told people up until that Patriots game a couple of years ago, I always would get people would be looking for the absolute perfect game. And I was like, guys, you're trying to perfect football. No one's ever gonna have a perfect game. And then the Bills did it. That might have been yeah. the worst thing to ever happen to us because then <laughs> and then they continued to play like really good, just oh, huge historical dominating football which is fun, but I do think it hurts our long-term expectations of uh, and realistic expectations of how this league is. Most games are one possession, close games. If you watch red zone on a Sunday, that's why I they do. call it the rich witching hour, dude. Like teams come back, games get close. That is what it is. But for this bills game, it felt closer than it ever actually got at any point. The win percentage literally never dropped below 98. Uh, quickly here, before we get to our metal stand, the wrap up bills, Jets Sunday, any concern whatsoever now? Again, we're taping this early Thursday. We don't know game yeah. statuses. Sure. I would venture to guess, if not bet right now, that Jordan Poyer and Matt Milano probably do not play yeah. on Sunday. I think they both will be out. I think Trey is maybe 50-50 at best. They might wait one more week. And even if he does play, like I said, I think it will be limited. For sure. Obviously, the Jets, Priest Hall's down. The Jets look like an absolute disaster against the Patriots last week. Zach Wilson looks he does not look like a franchise quarterback at all right now so the jets have issues but still the jets are five and three home game for the jets bills are down some guys mm-hmm. and you know once or twice a year i don't care how good a football team you are you go and you you go on the road and just lay a stinker sure like that jacksonville game last year what's your level if any of concern going into this game right now uh very limited i the only way i see the jets like having a shot is the bills have been sloppy on offense for as dominant as they've been on both sides of the ball and as good as they are in DVOA and really every advanced sure. metric, the one area that would be any cause for concern is self-inflicted stuff. They got to start to clean that up here. It's not a huge concern to me, but as they get into these colder months later in the season, I really like to see some of that sloppy play like Josh Allen had that just ugly. There's no space for it. You got to put a team away when you have a chance plays. Mm-hmm. Because I do think the Jets' defense is good. You know, they DVOA, they're eighth in every category. Like, this is a pretty good defense. Yeah. I think they're good uh, at all three levels uh, of the field. There's some vulnerabilities there. But what they if you give them the opportunity to take the ball away and make some big plays on defense, that could annoyingly keep a game, a team in it. I think the problem for the Jets right now is that 5-3 and three record is probably inflated. Uh, if you had asked me uh, real quick, 
they haven't beaten anyone actually, right? Like they the lost Green the Bay win. The Green Bay win does look less impressive now that we've seen the Packers lose to Washington. And again, they should have gotten beat more handily against Buffalo, but yeah. Yeah. And so they, they got smoked by the Ravens open the season. They had that close weird game with the Browns in week two and the Browns are kind of weird early. They lost to Cincy when Cincy wasn't actually playing very well early in the year. And I still don't think Cincy's very good. Um, they beat a really bad Steelers team that got, they got Mitch Trubisky branch that game. Then they won the, they had a huge victory against the Dolphins, but it was the Skylar Thompson game. He came in on the first, second snap of the game, like with no prep for the week. That's not a real win. Uh, like you said, the best one was probably the Packers, and then uh, the win against the Broncos with Rippin. Like and the Broncos aren't great with Russ, let alone their backup QB. So th- that five and three record, I know people say your record is, you know, you are who your record says. I don't know about it this week. I, I think this team probably should be a two win team, and they snuck out a couple. Yeah, and plus, Breesaw being hurt is big. I mean, that's yeah, like, yeah, that, that, would, yeah. that would be like Stephon Diggs being hurt for the Bills. He was that important to the offense. Plus, Elijah Vera Tucker is out for the year, too, a really yeah. good lineman. Yeah, look, the Bills are a lot better on paper. There's Back no down, question about yeah. it. But it just, you know, you always get that one or two stinkers sure, to keep yeah, you, no, to keep you wonky, a little bit worried, man. Division games are wonky and weird. I got a question for you before we get to the Mel stand. I don't want to see Trey White on MetLife turf. How do Me you feel about it? Yeah, Me neither. I don't want this to be the game that he... Absolutely not, man. Look, man, you're playing Zach Wilson, okay? Bring him back next week. Let him get another week of practice in. You got yeah. a, a, a good Minnesota team, a team that nobody wants to give any credit for. Uh, they got good players on that offense. They for got sure, playmakers, yeah. and Kirk Cousins can sling the ball if you give him time. So, yeah, yeah man, give me, give me Trey at home against Minnesota. I have no interest in seeing him this week, and I don't think you're going to either for uh, yeah. for the record. All right, let's get to our, uh, our medal stand for the week again. We got two topics. And for people new who haven't been uh, following on Fridays, what we're doing each week is I'm giving uh, Aaron two topics and then I'll chime in as well. One of them is usually going to be Bills related, current or past. And then the other one is just something pop culture wise and uh, pretty self-explanatory. We got a metal stand. So Aaron will give out uh, a bronze, he'll give out a mm-hmm. silver, and he'll give out a gold medal. Um, first one we're going to do this week is sports media personalities current. So that means... Give me your three favorite sports media personalities. It can be local, it can be national, it can be TV, radio, whatever you want it to be. But mm-hmm. sports media personalities. What yeah, do you got, man? Uh, it's uh, Pat Moran, Greg Stop. Thompson, and Aaron Quinn. No, uh, <laughs> no, mine are, they're all national for me. Mm-hmm. Uh, bronze is going to go to J.J. Redick. Great, uh, great pick. I game, like him. J.J. Redick's a game changer. I he might be the best basketball analyst out there. Today. He's the best basketball analyst in the world yeah. by far. What he's done for the game of basketball, sort of similar to what Pat McAfee's done just nationally. Mm-hmm. He's really uh the access, his podcast. If you are a basketball fan at all, I implore you to go listen to the JJ Reddick's uh The Old Man in Three podcast. It, there's no better access to behind the scenes NBA talk than on that podcast. Mm-hmm. He gets down in it. He has the best guests, gives you great access, asks great questions, great conversation. It is one of my favorite podcasts in the world. Um, and then just him on ESPN. He'll call everybody's bullshit out. He's not for these old sports narratives and these takes. And he's going to tell you exactly how he feels. And he's going to do it in a very intelligent way. And he's not going to, he's not up for the shticks. He's not, he's giving you his real opinion on the game of basketball. He's a super intelligent dude. I think he's, revolutionizing how people uh, 
are analysts of the game. Justin Basketball, I think it's going to transcend all. You're going to see these guys coming out and doing this in all sports. I love them, man. Good pick. Thank you. And so then Silver is Pat McAfee. Mm-hmm. This guy, uh, it's I don't know where this ends for Pat McAfee in terms of the type of media conglomerate that he can become. Like he might become the absolute biggest thing we've ever seen in sports entertainment. Mm-hmm. WWE is massive. I don't think football and basketball fans and all these regular sports fans realize the, the amount of eyes on that content. And I follow a lot of people, people abs- in that world absolutely love him. Yeah. He, he's got that locked down for the rest of his life. He's yep. going to be involved in that. And then football is the biggest sport in the entire world. And everybody in football absolutely loves his show and loves this guy. And he has access to people and he gets people on and he, and he talks about all the teams and it's the best show in sports in the world right now. And the coolest thing about it is he did it in the way my, uh, I used to own a tech company years ago. We used to say like YouTube's the future, the, all that this is the future of TV and radio and all this stuff is broadcasting to the world through the internet. And he, in terms of sports content was really the first person to capture this in the big way and, and put it on par with your ESPNs and your NFL sure. networks and all that stuff. So he's absolutely, in my opinion, revolutionized media and his impact on, on sports and media is so far past what he did as a player. He's going to go down as, as a John Madden type of guy. When we're done. I agree. Hundred percent. Um, and then who the, hell, who the hell's your goal if he's not? Go ahead. I know. Well, he's not there yet because I, I think it's t- in terms of longevity. My goal is Rich Eisen. Rich mm-hmm. Eisen is the standard. Yeah, for me, he's the I, absolute gold standard. And I don't even have to go on a rant. Rich Eisen's just everything. He's he's perfect. Uh, let me say this too, Aaron and I do not like. I have no idea who you're going to say. Right. So a lot of times our picks are going to be similar. Uh, mine, I, I would give Rich Eisen the bronze. I got him down for the bronze. Okay. All three of my guys, by the way, are game changers and there's competition in their markets, but I watch their shows because of them over yeah. other people. Yep. Same thing. I don't need to get into Rich Eisen. I, I just, I love watching him. I watch NFL Network over ESPN 90% of the time because of Rich Eisen. Yeah. So uh, my silver is Ariano, Ariel Helwani. I love wrestling and he's he's got great guests. He's great talk. Plus, he's a huge Bills fan. If you're not a big MMA guy or wrestling, yeah, I think so. I think so. I love listening to him, man. His interviews, and again, I'm a big wrestling mark, a lifelong wrestling mark. I'm just saying, I've never heard of him until, like, the Bills got good. Because you're not a big wrestling fan. I thought he was a UFC dude. He is a UFC guy, and he's a wrestling guy. Like he hosts, he has shows. But and I know a really uh, somewhat famous Bills fan because Bills fans, if you're if you're a little bit of Bills fan, we're gonna know about it. Him being a Bills fan is only uh, it's icing on the cake for me. Okay. I, okay. Even if he wasn't, if he was a Bears fan, okay. I would still like him just as much. His interviews are awesome. I love having him on, or when he has wrestlers, especially. Again, I'm a big wrestling fan. The goal for me is Pat McAfee for all yeah. the reasons that you said. And to expand on your WWE point, he's not just a broadcaster. He also wrestles and he's a really good wrestler. Everything he does is good. Like he's his own company. Yeah. You know, it's crazy. Like he's his own ESPN. I watch college game day in part now. Well, I still watch it anyway, but now I really tune in because I want to hear what Pat McAfee's got to say. I listen to his show. By the way, he has everybody. 
Nobody in the game has better guess on, on a show than Pat McAfee does on a day-to-day basis. Yeah. It's Aaron, I hate Aaron Rodgers, but he has him on the show every week. Yeah. It's just and incredible. Kyle Brandt has the best guests in the world on every single week, but uh, outside of that. <laughs> All right. Just that you're talking a singular guy, but yeah, yeah. man, um, Pat McAfee for me is the best. Let's yeah. get to our second category today. So we're going to do least favorite Buffalo Bills draw players. Everyone always talks about the favorite Fred or Kyle sure. yeah. or whatever. I want to get your three least favorite drought players from the Buffalo Bills during those 17 years. Put them on the stand, man. What do you got? Yeah. So this first one is weird because it actually has nothing to do with the person themselves, but more the idea of the person themselves. Sure. Uh, Bronze is Jordan Gay. Do you remember Jordan Gay? Uh, he was our Buffalo Bills kickoff specialist. Yeah. The Buffalo Bills used <laughs> in the drought era, the Buffalo Bills and an era of football where people were trying to find ways to get actual playmakers on right. their game day rosters. The Buffalo Bills activated every single week for a game day roster, an additional kicker just to do kickoffs when the league was getting rid of kickoff returns, Pat. This was the dumbest move that pissed me off every single week when I saw the game day act is that we couldn't just get a kicker that could kick field goals and kickoff. We needed a kickoff specialist to use two roster spots for one position. That was the droughtiest thing, in my opinion, that you could have for a roster. (laughs) I hated every minute of it. So nothing against Jordan Gay. I'm sure he was a fine guy. But the fact that we couldn't find one kicker that could do both things just drove me. It was so Bill's droughty. That's a good one. Uh, Number two is Jordan (laughs) Mills. This dude, I've never, all the years of bad offensive line play for the Buffalo Bills, I've never seen one dude get just smacked around, thrown on the ground, (laughs) be a turnstile more than Jordan Mills. He had no business being here. Uh, Number one for me, and it's not even close. I've never hated uh, somebody that played for the Buffalo Bills more than this freaking guy. Dante Whitner. That jerk, you can go pound sand, Dante Whitner. I don't ever want to hear from you again. <laughs> That's I like, uh, you know what? Your I two, your first two guys, I completely forgot about until you. I forgot Jordan Mills ever existed. No offense to him on a personal level yeah. <laughs> until you said that. All right, my bronze, and he was not because of his play. He was a good player for the Bills. In fact, he kind of jumped, you know, uh, rejuvenated his career when he was in Buffalo. I Richie Incognito couldn't stand the guy as a person. Heard a lot of, I'm not getting details. Dude was not a good person, man. And he became a good, fo- he was a good football player with the Bills, but he was not a good person. I'm just going to leave it at that. I know Eric Wood would want to kill me if he, if he heard that, but I'm giving him the bronze. I, I did not like Richie Incognito. Silver, Trent Edwards. I So my wife's family, they have Bills parties every week and, the whole family, I'm talking 15, 20 people get together and watch the games. And during this time, I probably became an unwelcome guest because I would get so frustrated. It's not even his skill level. It would be fourth and 12 or third and 12. And he was just the king of throwing his five, six yard pass and surrendering and not wanting to turn the ball over and punting. I hated how gutless and cowardly he played. I'll never forget. It was against Philly. It was a fourth down play and he ran towards the sideline and he ran out of bounds instead of throwing the ball up at, at fourth down. I'll never forget that. I, oh, God, I hate it watching Trey. Do you think it, that concussion ruined him, or did you hate him before the concussion? I didn't like it. I hated the way he played. Yeah. I just He didn't play to win. He played to not lose. He played to not turn the ball after over. That, after that, uh, during that Patriots, Leotis McKelvin fumble game, I really thought that he was good enough where we could like win some things with, but then it fell apart. Yeah, we were four and zero, and then everything fell apart. Captain Checkdown. I mean, that was a yeah. a nickname. Is a gold medal? Look, man, similar. No, no question. It's Dante Whitner. 
uh, football reasons, personal reasons. Can't stand the dude. I think he's a piece of shit. I still think he is to this day too. And uh, I don't need to get into all the details, but go Google Pat Moran, Dante Whitner. If if you want to know more what I'm talking about, dude literally wanted to fight me. And I had to go get baby Joe Macy. It was kind of a marketing gimmick, to be honest with you. though. He was going to, quote, unquote, train me to box him because Dante challenged me to a three-round fight for charity. He, he would have killed me, by the way. Yeah. But anyway. Yeah. <laughs> Aaron's like, yep. Yeah. yeah. Just He ran his mouth. So just the fact that a dude who's a professional player was getting into it to that level with you on Twitter. Like, come it's just on, so, it's so come stupid. On. Now, yeah. look, if he would have been a third or fourth-round pick, it would have been like, all right, he's an okay player just sure. for the big mouth. But he was a top 10 pick running yeah. his mouth, and he never yeah. did shit. Yeah. Never did shit. Anyway, I'm, I'm glad we agree about Dante Whitner, though. Yeah. Good. All right, man. It's going to do it for this casual Friday. Make sure you follow Aaron on Twitter at Aaron Quinn 716 Check out the Cover One Buffalo Football Podcast. Aaron and Greg, they'll be live after the Bills game on Sunday. And like I said, they do a preview show as well. Every Wednesday, tons of content on uh, Cover One. It's not just the Aaron and uh and Greg show. Good job, man. I, I say I mean this, dude. I tell you this all the time. I really do. I, I I'm a I'm a big fan of Cover One, man. I appreciate you, man. I, I love I love brands where I can learn shit from. And I feel like when I watch Eric and, and when I watch Anthony, some of these guys when they break it down film. I, I just feel like I'm learning shit every week. So, uh, yeah, we, we, you know what? We're real proud of the team we put together and, uh, uh it's only going to keep getting better. So keep your eye out.